Hi everyone, it's uh, Saturday, so that means it's another episode of the DJ's Aviation Podcast. Once again, a big thanks to anyone that is still tuning into these. I know they're probably not the most enjoyable podcast to listen to having returned back to Melbourne, Australia, as there's not a whole lot going on in my life, but like always, I'll do my very best to make it as enjoyable as possible. As you've probably seen from the title in today's podcast, I almost said video, but I won't mess that up. I do indeed mean um, podcast. I'll be taking a look at the future of Boeing, especially with regards to market demand within China and Europe. We'll be looking at South African Airways, an earthquake that occurred where I live, uh, lockdown messes. We'll be looking at reviews and, and so forth. So buckle in, stay tuned. Hopefully you do enjoy this. Can't promise it'll be a long one. There's not a whole lot to talk about in this episode, but Hopefully in the future, I'll vow to have them more interesting, maybe look at some stories. So that's really where you come into it as a community. If you have suggestions for what you want to see on the podcast, whether that be Q&As, stories about whatever, just please send me an email or send me a tweet or ping me in our community Discord server. That would be greatly appreciated and I can get an idea for what you want to hear about. We'll begin with the new reviews, like I always do, thanking anyone that reviewed the podcast over the past two weeks. Last week was a pre-recorded podcast from July. I was discussing moving overseas at 18 years of age. Because of that, there was no podcast actually physically recorded by me, which means I did not go through any of the new reviews. You've heard me say this many, many times, but the Apple podcast review system is terrible. There's no way on um, Apple Podcasts for me to actually look at all the reviews. I have to go through every single country, which, you know, is quite a nightmare if I'm going to drop uh, click from a drop-down menu and go through every single one. I may miss one country that has a review, but I did manage to find through where I have a look at my chart position for the podcast episodes. They have an area where you can see all the reviews from all the countries. So with that being said, we have four new reviews to my knowledge. Hopefully I'm not missing out on any. The first one is from Sam in New York. He goes on to say, Love listening to DJ's podcast. I tend to binge listen, uh, listen pardon me, while mowing the lawn or walking to school. They help calm me and could keep me entertained for hours. The podcast has plenty of aviation in it, which is why I'm here. But I also love when he goes more into his personal life. He's a bit of a mysterious person on YouTube. This podcast just makes him so relatable to everyday people. Uh, DJ could talk about the history of shelves. and <laughs> I still find it interesting. Maybe that's a podcast idea. Um, I know you don't get paid for any of this, but thanks so much for making these. You're more than welcome. I'm glad you enjoy it, and thank you very much for the review. I'm glad people still find it interesting, even if um, what I talk about can be a bit silly at times. This review is from KoolAidMan28490. The review was on the, what I believe, 12th of uh, September, pardon me. As an aviation enthusiast, I thought no one would be as hardcore as me until I joined the community. The community is really nice and overall non-problematic. Uh, DJ isn't really inspiring and says lots of things in depth. Thank you very much, man. I'm glad you enjoy our community. I think that's one of the biggest things that I've tried to work on over the years. Uh, while I wouldn't say the YouTube comments is an accurate representation of this, definitely if you come into the Discord server, which is maybe more so our community, you'll definitely get a um a good idea of what we're like. Not really problematic. It's not toxic. Everyone's allowed to express their opinions. And that definitely took some time because I'm not going to lie, a couple of years ago, it definitely wasn't like that. But I think with some time, like I mentioned, and really trying our best to create an environment where everyone feels safe and welcomed, and even that stems just from 
videos, you know, not trying to speculate, not trying to be uh, toxic with opinions and so forth. I can't control YouTube comments. The only thing I can control is what I'm saying in each video. And I think maybe that cascades down onto the community as that we're all pretty respectful and that's great. But I'm glad you enjoy it. Um, Kool-Aid, thank you very much for the review. Five-star review from Speedbird189 from Italy. So this is one of the areas that I would have actually missed out on had I not found this site. Um, simply because I never thought to check Italy as a country that people may have been listening. I typically was just sticking to the UK, Canada, United States, uh, and on the off chance I would check a bunch of other countries, but then there'd never be anything, or there would never even be a single review. So I'm happy I've managed to find yours, as yours is from the 5th of September. So if you're listening, thank you very much. He said... Um, I started following you on YouTube when you had a few thousand subs. Although my interests shifted with time, I still listen to your podcast regularly. It's like having a talk. That's kind of the point. Um, I don't want it. I don't really like the idea of, say, getting a guest on or if it's me, almost reading a news bulletin. It doesn't feel right. It feels like th- that just becomes a YouTube video. So I love how this is a lot more relaxed and it, it's more of discussion based. I heard you mention F1, and I think it would be really cool if you talked about it. Yes. Well, I have been getting into F1 more. I've been watching. A lot of the I basically been watching every single race, and I will definitely be watching this weekend's race if it does go ahead. Um, but that's something I can definitely look at talking about a little bit more in the future if it's sort of segments. I'm not the most knowledgeable person, although to be completely honest, I was into F1 when I was very very young. Like we're talking six, seven, eight, nine. In fact, I went to many many different Australian Grand Prix with my dad. However, slowly but surely, I think I just got a bit bored of it. So there was a period for maybe like nine years where I didn't look at anything F1 related. Um, and I know people probably think this is cringe, but I was watching the uh, Netflix show, The Drive to Survive, because I was bored. And I, I basically binge watched that over the... Well, it's not really binge watch, is it? I watched over um, a couple of months the three series that were out and got caught back up to it. And just through that, got more into F1 again. And I've been watching ever since. And it's been a great thing to to look forward to on the weekends when there's not a whole lot nowadays to look forward to if you're, say, in my position of just sort of sitting in my room um, consistently working. But thank you very much for the review from Speedbird189 in Italy. It's very much appreciated of the five stars. Our final review of today is from El Aviator in Ireland. He goes on to say, oh, wait, no, the title is Informative, Enjoyable, Relatable and Humorous Podcast. I've been listening to the DJ's Aviation podcast on a regular basis from the very beginning. Now, if people were here from the very beginning, you'll know this was a thing back in 2018 and 2019, but I did stop for two years, so a lot of our audience sort of disappeared. Uh, But I'm glad some people have come back. The wide variety of topics covered means that there is always something for everyone. Each episode brings humour, interesting information, and best of all, enjoyment. Thank you, DJ, for your work across all your platforms. Best wishes. Thank you very much. That's a very nice review. And thank you to anyone else that took the time to just, you know, drop four stars or five stars. I know some people might listen to this and be like, stop begging for reviews. I'm just showing appreciation for those that, at the end of the day, took the time out of their day to write a paragraph at reviewing the podcast. So, let's get on to more of the meaty section of this podcast, beginning with an earthquake. Uh, You may be listening to this thinking to yourself, oh, you're going to talk about an earthquake in New Zealand or South America. No, I'm talking about an earthquake that occurred in Melbourne, Australia, basically at my home. Um, Something I've never... Well, I've experienced a lot. I do lie. I've experienced an earthquake when I was maybe five or six. Very, very small. And I do remember it because I think I was just sleeping at maybe like 8 p.m. and it lasted about 10 seconds and I remember being like what's going on but 
Uh, contrary to what a lot of people believe, earthquakes in Melbourne are not very common. In fact, they're very, very rare. This was the biggest earthquake we've had since, you know, Europeans came here to settle the country. So we're talking over a century. A very, very long time. And, um, it, yeah, it was quite a shock. I, just, I think it lasted about 50 seconds. 6.1 magnitude, and of course... Uh, in this day and age, I've got. I, I'm always respectful, but I'll definitely go off the bat and say I know 6.1 is not bad compared to what, unfortunately, some people, especially across the pond in New Zealand, have had to dealt with. Uh, you've, you've you can perfectly looked at examples in Christchurch. Um, I've listened to podcasts about natural disasters in you know Haiti and everything and South America, and it's it's sickening to see the damage that is done. And so, on the grand scheme of things, what I dealt with was not that big. However, I thought it was worth mentioning because in Melbourne, you know, earthquakes are not really a thing. And uh, I think it was about 45 seconds of shaking. It progressively got worse and worse. And I was looking after my, the new family dog, which is a sausage dog, when it was happening. And uh, I was a bit confused because uh, basically we have a washing machine. Well, before I moved to the UK, there was a washing machine. Uh, It wasn't very stable. And I'm sure any of you that may have washing machines may resonate with me here that when it's on its cycle and in the last 10 minutes it does start to shake. Now, some of them will shake more than others. If your washing machine is typically, I'd say, more heavy or older, it's more inclined to do that. And that is something that I definitely experienced when I was younger. A lot of shaking due to the washing machine. So I was just thinking to myself, oh, it's the washing machine, forgetting that my parents had bought a washing machine while I was away. It progressively got worse and worse for about 45 seconds. And Thankfully, it stopped, but you could already begin to hear the cracking in the walls, which is never a good sign. Uh, my house is not, our family home is not new by any means. It's quite an old house. So when you start to hear all the cracking and you're like, oh no, type of thing, of it's not built to withstand something like that. So thankfully, it did stop. There was damage in the city. A building like half collapsed, all the bricks. There's a lot of things fell on the floor. But look, at the end of the day, very lucky that it wasn't anything worse because we've seen in the world enough how bad it can get but that was definitely a shock i won't lie uh there's a, there's a couple of reactions online of um news presenters and they look dumbfounded i think that was the reaction for most of us because it's just not something you would expect a lot of people think uh when they think of australia they think of heat and bushfires they definitely don't think of um earthquakes so definitely a shock to the system that happened what maybe like three days ago i should mention this is being recorded at 5 a.m on friday the 24th of september local time in australia so we're now we're talking thursday afternoon evening in america and the uk uh, people may another question i get a lot is do i even sleep i do sleep but i work night shift that's that's just a question i'll answer now so i work night shift which means Basically, when the UK and America are awake, I'm awake. But that doesn't really matter. You know, that doesn't coincide with how it is in Australia. So I'll wake up at 11pm and go to sleep at 1pm type of thing. I'll be awake. I have to do it for work as well. Um, So it's that sort of thing of I'm awake doing the videos and, and making sure everything's going out okay. And if something happens, I'm there. And it's just, I did that when I was here in 2018 and 2019. Uh, and I, of course, when I was in the UK, I lived on normal time and providing um, I'm able to get into university with my full intention to then, you know, live on UK time naturally. But for now, we're working night shift. So uh, that's just one of the many things I deal with, which I should mention, I tried to order some pizza yesterday because there was nothing in the house. And um, one of the main realizations that I had 
properly left London and the United Kingdom was the dif- that's been the difficulty trying to get food sourced from not my home during the night or morning it's near on impossible because there's no delivery drivers anywhere so I think I waited about three to four hours for a pizza be deli- to be delivered pardon me uh, and I wasn't able to cancel the order and then after four hours they cancelled my order because there was no uh, delivery so I got a refund but there was no delivery drivers and um, then they shut the shop and then the only thing that was open was McDonald's. And I don't know about you, but I'm not a big fan of McDonald's. I really, really don't like it. It's one of those places that if you have to go, you have to go, but it's not somewhere I would like to eat from. It's fast food for a reason. And I, to me, that's like, it's only necessary if, do you know what I mean? And even then, to be honest, I could have had it at Heathrow and I just decided to go and have a, an English breakfast, like a proper English pub breakfast, because I just really don't like McDonald's. But hey, each to their own. I know some people will like it. Um, but personally, when well, that's the only option, it's to be like, oh, but say when I was in the UK, it'd be at any time you could just order a food, any type of food, and it would be delivered to you within 20 minutes. But now it's sort of like, I think I have to wait two hours for something. And it's like, oh, got to plan ahead. And when I'm going to finish work and am I going to be recording a podcast when the food arrives and all that jazz? And obviously it's 2 a.m., 3 a.m. And you're like, I don't really want to go and stand on the street to collect the food. And um, because I live with my parents, I can't have them banging on the front door. So it's all a bit of a logistical nightmare, to say the least. Um, Melbourne's a mess right now. That's another one of the dot points I have. I don't know if you've been keeping up with the news. I'm not sure how many people here uh, listen to the podcast that are indeed from Melbourne, Australia, but you've probably seen the construction workers going on strike. Now, I'd be lying if I said uh, I keep up with everything going on in that regard, because I don't, but I've seen stuff. And uh, construction workers riding. Apparently, there's a construction ban for two weeks. Uh, look, it's. Uh, I think the earthquake was just the epitome of what's been going on in this state and city. It's a mess. Uh, so we're still in lockdown. In fact, I got one of my first awards in my life. You know, I don't. I haven't really won many awards, and people are going to laugh and will think it's pretty cliche and and cringe, but. Melbourne actually became the city that spent the most time in lockdown since the beginning of the pandemic, I think, was it yesterday or two days ago? So that's the one award that we can claim. Um, pretty pretty sad, to be honest, because like I said, the lockdown here is not really ending for quite a while. Look, we're almost at the end of September, but this is going to stretch well into November. And it's funny because they keep putting a lot of emphasis on 80% as the double vaccination rate for them to open up. That's meant to happen in November, but then in December there's still going to be uh, restrictions, and I'm a bit like I'm a bit confused. I thought that well, the impression I was under was that would mean basically the majority of restrictions would ease. Uh, you know, like full stadiums we see in um in the UK because they've hit that hit a decent rate, but that's not happening here. So I'm a bit like, well, does that mean it's ever going to end? You know what I mean? And let's not even get started on the international travel. The fact that there's still going to be restrictions on how many people you can see in December, and then they're somehow saying, yeah, international travel will be... Sorry, airlines are saying international travel will be allowed from December of this year. It absolutely baffles me. Like I said, Air Canada and uh, Qantas are literally already offering flights, and I'm I'm just... I think to myself, like... I've already said it on my Twitter, um, and I'll say it here. Don't book those flights. Just don't. Uh, if you have no choice, you have no choice. But if you're going to take any advice, don't book them because I really, really don't believe they'll go ahead. If they go ahead, I will be the happiest person alive and I'll be happily proved wrong and I will happily put my hand up and be like, I was wrong, they did go ahead. But I just can't see it. Um, home quarantine is still not a thing. 
there are trials, but, you know, they're not even close to actually rolling it out. Um, there are still quarantine camps being built in some locations within Australia, so that doesn't really give me the impression that they're that close to completely transitioning. States are fighting between each other. It's it's a mess. It's a complete mess. I try to pretend that I don't see anything and I'm locked away in my bedroom and maybe I'm in South Africa on a beach. <laughs> but uh, it's definitely a mess. Now, I don't know when I last... When I don't know if in the last podcast I discussed this, so if if I did if I did my bad, but if I didn't and maybe you didn't listen, here you go. We discovered mold in my bedroom about a week and a half ago. Yeah, mold. Um, I was this. Is, I think I may have mentioned it, but I'm not too sure. Anyway, I was looking for a microphone arm, which I still haven't found to put my microphone on, just so it's not on a stand and I can actually read scripts properly. And it's it's just easier to do podcasts and. I don't know why, but I'm the kind of person that gets nervous when I see the microphone in front of me, because all of this is not scripted, like a video is, where I have 600 words to read. This is just going off the top of my head. So when I see the the microphone, I'm looking at it right now, and I'm kind of like, oh, it's a bit, it's very intimidating to me, and it feels like there's a lot of pressure to not mess up because it's right off the top of my head. So we're looking for that microphone arm because it just help it helps me. And obviously it's more convenient as in you just push it to the side when you're done. I still haven't found it. And um, when I was looking for it, I found all these black dots on the wall. I'm like, oh, well, that's not good, is it? And uh, yeah, lo and behold, all the back wall of my wardrobe has mold, mold all over it and the floor was soaking wet. And that's just a brilliant sign. Like I said, I haven't really been able to catch a break for the past 10 months. And I, I looked at that and I was like, you have to be kidding me. Now, I've lived here, well... Yes, I had a couple of years where I was where I was away, but I've I've grown up in this house since the day I was born. My parents have we haven't moved, so I've been here a long time, and I can pretty firmly tell you that that's not happened in the eighteen years that I was here, and uh, not even a month back it's happened. And I just kind of looked at it like you have to be kidding me. You genuinely can't make this up anymore. You really can't make it up because obviously, mold is not a good thing. A leak is not a good thing as well. But mold for me living here is not is not great. It means that I can't access my bedroom and my bedroom is where my office is, how I'm meant to work. The implications of it was just like, great, oh no. So in came two massive generators for about four days, bl- uh, blowing all the air and humidifying the air and all that jazz. It was so loud. <laughs> um, it was almost like a construction zone someone was drilling in my bedroom while I was trying to work and it was like oh I can't do this luckily they're gone now the mold has been wrapped up but managed to get the building report they're coming in for over a week to rip out my wall which means I can't sleep in my bedroom and I don't know if I'm going to be able to work in my room Uh, I don't live in a big house there's no spare rooms. There's nowhere I can sleep type of thing. I don't... We don't live in like a two-story, three-story house. It's huge. It's very, very small. In fact, for most people, it'd probably be smaller than their living and kitchen area. So there ain't... There's no space for me to go. And uh, we're trying to look at the moment at ways I can go and live somewhere else for like a week because I can't get access to my bedroom. I don't know how that's going to work with video production. It's just going to be another inconvenience, but we move past it. Things will eventually look up. Um... My girlfriend had a bird poo on her car. I know that's random, very, very random, but for, for that, that's obviously good luck. So maybe I can get a bit of that good luck and all this can kind of stop and just cease and I can have a nice smooth sailing month without me finding mold in my bedroom. I mean, thank God I did find it. It could have got a lot worse and I could have obviously had health implications because of it. Um, so maybe it was good I found it. 
but at the same time, it's like, oh, you have to be kidding me. Anyway, how long into this podcast are we now? Let me just double check. 20 minutes. I feel like that's a decent time now to move into the aviation stuff. I apologize for anyone that I kept waiting. However, I very much like to get the random stuff out of the way first and then move on to the aviation section. If you've been watching the videos, you may know a little bit of what I'm going to be talking about. Um, however, if you have not, then this should be all fresh to you. So it's been a, I'd like to say, busy couple of weeks. Um, I wouldn't say in the sense of something being incredibly noteworthy happening, but for Boeing, which is an aircraft manufacturer, we've certainly learned a lot about how they see the future. And I always enjoy looking at the future of aircraft manufacturers. I think we often cover the perspective of airlines, as in what airlines believe will happen, whether that be demand, whether that be network. But when you take a look into what aircraft manufacturers expect, it's almost like a perfect overview of the entire aviation industry from their perspective. I thought we'd begin in China. So Boeing saying Boeing released a forecast. How long ago was it? Maybe a week and a half ago. They often release a forecast and it predicts the next 20 years or so with regards to the value in the market, how much money they see aircraft being bought, how many deliveries they expect, and then we see a split between single aisle and wide body. We get an idea for where the orders will be coming from, which countries, where they think areas will be growing. But obviously, in the past three years, the forecast has changed drastically. And when I say drastically, I think all I need to do is say COVID-19, and you probably know what I mean by that 2019 forecast would be completely different to the forecast we see today. Now, while in 2040 it may be the same, the lead up to that year is totally different because now we're looking at a recovery. I'll just begin by noting that Boeing believe in 2022 domestic travel worldwide should return to normality. We're looking, this is talking like 2019 levels. This is what they believe. In the following year of 2023, they believe regional travel will return to pre-pandemic levels. And then in 2024, international travel will return. Of course, this is subject to change. This could happen sooner. This could take longer. It could be 2026. It's, it's near on impossible to predict what is actually going to happen because we've had so many changes. Some countries are advancing. Some countries are falling behind, namely Australia. So it's very hard to say what's going to happen and what's not going to happen, especially when the aviation industry has had a very much lack of communication from various governments around the world. You, you, you could look at Virgin Atlantic, British Airways, um, EasyJet, especially within the United Kingdom. There have been, and even the airports have been crying out for transparency on the situation at hand from none other than the government, and they just don't get it. Um, I'd argue they're starting to get it now, but that's nearly 19 months too late when so many people have lost their jobs. And you can look at Australia now. Um, Qantas are offering flights, but they haven't gotten approval from the government to offer these flights. Airports like Sydney can't get a, um, a proper communication dialogue, if you will, with the government to reopen international travel because while it's all well and good for airlines and airports to say we want to open and we want to restart international travel they need the approval from the government they need to talk to the government and come to an agreement a consensus that this is the way forward and if they can't get that communication that they can't restart international travel 
So I don't know where I was going with that and why I even brought that up, but there's a bit of clarity on the situation in different areas and just, I guess, why everything can change. And it's very hard to... uh, While I wouldn't blame an airline, it's very hard to look at the airlines and, and, and take their word for it when you're when you've got a government higher above that aren't necessarily communicating with the industry. Back to Boeing and China though. Boeing uh, is anticipating that airlines within China will need 8,700 new aircraft by 2040. This would be valued at US 1.47 trillion as well. So that's that's huge. One of the main things that I think people will, uh, take from this is that they may believe that the 8,700 new aircraft will be directly coming from Boeing. That's not the case. This is 8,700 new aircraft in general. So Airbus, Boeing, Embraer, all our aircraft manufacturers are included in that. And the 8,700 is not just for, how do I put it? It's not just for the 777X or the 787. We're looking at all different types of aircraft from single aisle to wide body and all that kind of jazz. They're saying, though, that for narrow-body aircraft, the of the 8,700, 6,550 uh, will be those. Meanwhile, we'll have 1,850 wide-body, which is still a decent amount, I'd say, up until 2040. And this sort of ties in with their demand, with what they're forecasting within Europe, which I will get onto in a couple of minutes when we wrap up taking a look at the Chinese market. In a statement, they said wide-body demand in China is actually expected to be 20% of global deliveries, which is definitely a big takeaway from this, as that market is incredibly lucrative. We can track back how many years now? God, it must be three years, when the NMA with Boeing was highly talked about. For anyone that may not know what the NMA is, that's the new middle-of-the-market airliner. And it's pretty self-explanatory when you think of the name middle of the market. It sits in the middle of the market. So you have your smaller planes and you have your really big planes. The middle of the market plane sits there. Analysts were predicting that this middle of the market aircraft could generate 4,000 total orders. Um, Obviously, today we sit towards the end of 2021. Boeing has not announced this aircraft and Airbus are definitely going unrivaled in that sector. And I think a lot of these forecasts are saying that single aisle aircraft and narrow body aircraft will definitely be the way forward boeing at the moment only is offering its 737 max series which as we know has definitely been through the wars of late um, so it would not shock me if by 2040 obviously they'll have something new that's being offered whether that's the nma whether that's a new type of 737 max remains to be seen there's been enough speculation there's been enough rumors i think it's simply we just don't know what what is going to happen. I mean, in my sense, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, it seems very much up and down. You know, one minute everyone was thinking the NMA would be the thing that would launch. Obviously, the seven three seven Max crisis, the pandemic, the triple seven X, and the seven eight seven problems did not help that aircraft. But obviously, that just shows how quickly things can change. With that being said, let's move on to Europe. If you would like to watch a YouTube video on this, you can go to the DJ's Aviation channel because there was a video covering uh, Boeing within Europe. But hey, this is the podcast, so I thought I would just talk about it as a bit of a recap to really discuss the future of Boeing. One of the main takeaways from Boeing's European forecast is that they believe 90% of aircraft currently flying today in 2021 within Europe will actually need to be replaced by 2040. That's a staggering amount. And like I said in the video, definitely highlights the way airlines will be moving forward in the next couple of decades. 
um, looking for more sustainable and efficient planes. Even though the aircraft now are efficient, with technology ever advancing, there's, there's always something new. Airlines are all always in communication with aircraft manufacturers over the next thing, the next engine. Your perfect example of that is Air New Zealand and Airbus. Uh, they've recently entered into a partnership regarding hydrogen travel for the next two years. I'll be looking at those type of aircraft. And this directly ties into Airbus unveiling those hydrogen concepts that they hope to enter service in the 2030s. Could that be the aircraft of the future? It all remains to be seen, but it's definitely interesting to see where the industry will be headed. Boeing forecasts that for Europe, there'll be 8,705 new aircraft, which is valued at US $1.5 trillion. Uh, once again, I just wanted to mention that they therefore see 90% of the current European fleet being replaced by then, so airlines will definitely be looking at making brand new orders for aircraft. They go on to say, uh, th- this was where the um, the projection for when air travel would recover, this was from the European statement, is what I mean by when they say that it will probably be 2023 to 2024 when we properly see pre-pandemic levels across the entire sectors whether that be regional, domestic, short-haul, international, and so forth. Single-aisle airplanes, they go on to say, will definitely be the main driver for this. However, wide-body aircraft will still very much be present. But like always, single-aisle aircraft are the most popular. They're the thing that drive a lot of airlines' fleets. And if we're talking European operations, all you need to do is have a look at how many low-cost airlines fly within Europe, and naturally, their main aircraft of choice is single-aisle aircraft. You would not typically see them flying a Airbus A340 or a Boeing 787 on a 45-minute flight. That is where we see your regional aircraft or potentially your A320s and 737 Maxes. So with all that being said, the future is definitely exciting. I think while we'll definitely miss aircraft that we see nowadays, whether that be your 757s, your A340s, that had its time and place, and I think that we should always be ready and excited for what's to come. We don't know what it will be, but it will definitely be good, I can assure you of that. The aviation industry never stops. Even during the pandemic, it was still going, and that's one of its biggest challenges. So hopefully we can move past this and have a very good next couple of decades. The final aviation story I wanted to cover was South African Airways. I thought it would be fitting. I know there's some people that love the channel and are from South Africa and are very passionate about this airline. At the time of recording, a video was uploaded actually on this topic nine minutes ago. So if you would like to watch a YouTube video, once again, I'll invite you to go and check that out. If not, I'll briefly talk about it now. They've been on the ground. When I say on the ground, they have not been operating for for probably a year now, almost a year. They entered into bankruptcy protection, basically out of money and and unable to fly. If they continued to fly, they they would have no chance at ever coming back. Last year, this was announced. But see, for South African Airways, their problems did not just come at the start of the pandemic. For them, and I would say this is similar to Norwegian, uh, the pandemic was the final nail in the coffin. They were already struggling and have been struggling, just like even Alitalia, since the early 2010s they had so many different cash injections before it reached a point where the south african government were just kind of like okay the the situation is not improving and from a business perspective if you're investing that much money and you're not seeing the results it does definitely become questionable as to why you should continue to invest in a brand that's failing 
if you are put into the position of them, or let's just say you listening today own a company, you own, or what's in a perfect example? I'm seeing a a Logitech mouse, which is sitting right in front of me. Let's say you own Logitech. Now, their financial position is pretty dire, but because you own Logitech, you want to do everything in your power to help them succeed. So you continue to put money into Logitech. New products came come out, but they're just not performing well. You've invested hundreds of millions of dollars, but it doesn't seem to be working. Now, that's hundreds of millions of your money. I think at some point you would definitely reach the consensus that maybe it's not working and maybe you should look at other avenues. And that's exactly what happened with South African Airways. But they're back today at the time of recording, I should mention. They finally recommenced operations with flight SA317 from Johannesburg through to Cape Town. There were just 123 passengers on board the Airbus aircraft, but it's great to see them back. It's definitely made headlines within the aviation industry. They are, at the end of the day, an airline with a rich history, so it would definitely be sad to see them go. Um, But they're looking at hopefully revitalizing the South African aviation sector. They already made note that while they were not flying, ticket prices rose significantly, and that was because the routes that they flew, there, there weren't really that many other offerings. So they're hoping that with their return to the aviation industry, they'll be able to drop ticket prices and encourage more people to fly with them again. Will it be an easy battle for South African Airways? Will everything be upwards and smooth sailing? No, by absolutely no means do I believe everything will go you know, ship, tip-top and everything will just become incredible for them. I think it will be a very long road if they are to even recover completely there's there's exactly the chance that they could come back and dwindle back into their previous state and then they may have to shut up shop completely forever Um, and then we may see the launch of another airline similar to what we've seen going on with Alitalia but hey we'll wait and see they're coming back with a much smaller fleet it seems like their operations are going to be a lot more refined as an example we're not going to see them flying internationally to a huge extent so we'll have to wait and see. I'll be keeping a close eye on them. Obviously, to me, they are an airline of interest, which means I'll cover them a lot more than maybe another airline type of thing. But we'll have to wait and see. They've already listed a couple of locations they will be uh, launching it back up to. That's Zimbabwe, Zambia, Mozambique, um, Ghana, and a couple of other destinations. And from there, I'm sure they'll look at expanding, of course, depending on everything and, and how it goes. That's going to conclude today's podcast. I do hope you enjoyed it. Lots of topics, whether it be aviation I covered or just, you know, the mold, the podcast reviews. I hope you enjoyed it. The earthquake even. Uh, I do very, very much like making podcasts for you all. It's one of the things I thoroughly enjoy doing. It's just a passion project for me. It's not something I really do to, say, improve the brand or it's just it's just fun. I think from the reviews I did at the beginning of this podcast, it's probably evident to you listening that it's just a great way to communicate with everyone that may watch a YouTube video and get a better understanding of the person behind those videos because like uh who was it Sam I believe said he's a bit of a mysterious person on YouTube and I think that's true because you don't get anything personal it's just sort of the brand but definitely if you were to listen to the podcast you would understand you know where I'm from because to be completely honest 
I've had this before where people can't understand my accent, but you could very much watch the videos and have no idea what my name is, don't know my age, obviously you'd know my gender, but you wouldn't know where I'm from, you wouldn't know where I'm located, you wouldn't know my interests, you wouldn't know anything about me if you watch those YouTube videos. Now, that's just a conscious effort I've made because I don't really want them to be about that, but if you came to the podcast, you would learn a whole lot more. So thank you, seriously, to anyone that listens to these. It definitely means a lot. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. Uh, uh, The next one should be next week, but look, I will try my very best, but if nothing happens, I'm going to probably have to go into one of my notebooks and grab a story, whether that be an experience on board business class. I may have to go to the archives, similar to what I do when, uh, similar to what I did, pardon me, when I discussed the Boeing 747 experience with Qantas, which was maybe two podcasts ago now, or three, two. I'm not 100% sure. So I may go back to the archives and talk about, say, my experience on business class or spotting at Los Angeles. We'll have to wait and see. But like I said at the very beginning, if there's something you want covered in these podcasts, please do not hesitate to send me an email, ping me in our community Discord server, or send me a tweet, and I'll be absolutely more than happy to try and include that i'm always open at the end of the day it's 40 minutes of absolute blabble so i can definitely find room for something that the community wants me to talk about because there is no real structure to these like always if you leave a review i'll be sure to mention you in the next podcast along with anyone else that is doing that Uh, you're more than welcome to follow the podcast on whatever streaming platform you are listening to it on whether that be spotify soundcloud google podcasts apple podcasts I often get questions about why is it not on Spotify? It is. Just search it and you will find it. However, the main one I promote is SoundCloud and Apple Podcast because most people have an Apple device. And secondly, SoundCloud is something that is available anywhere. So it's not strictly available on one thing. Do you know what I mean? But we are on Spotify. We are on, I believe now, Amazon or Audible. So you can definitely give it a lesson on whatever podcasting platform you prefer. Until the next podcast or video or next time you see me in the Discord server, thank you very much. Stay safe, take care like always, and I'll see you next week.